0: Welcome to the Keep Idaho Red Radio show, where you'll hear from national, statewide, and local Republican leaders about the issues that are most important to Idahoans today. Now, please welcome Tom Luna and Vic Miller. Welcome back to another episode of Keep Idaho Red Radio with Tom Luna and Vic Miller. And uh, Vic, we have a great show, um, and we have a couple guests here visiting the Capitol here in Boise, and uh, we're just going to jump right into this uh, conversation because we want to spend as much time as we can with these special guests, but we have Senator Rick Santorum here with us. And, Senator, welcome to Idaho and welcome to Keep Idaho Red Radio.
1: Good to be with you, Tom and Vic.
0: And, uh, Mark Meckler. And, Mark, welcome. And, uh, your name and and reputation and great work is known well across Idaho. And so, we're just going to have a conversation with both of you and and really just start and talk about why you're even here uh, today. You're meeting with members of the legislature. You've met with uh, elected constitutional officers. You've done a lunch. You're doing a dinner. You're speaking. At a, uh, at, at a county uh, meeting tonight, so you're doing a lot of work here. So, so talk to us about what brings you to Idaho and uh, what the focus is.
1: Well, first off, I'm not doing a dinner. They told me I'll get dinner. So. I see. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I think some of us are having dinner <laughs> I mean, while you speak. Yeah, Maybe that's I'm, it.
1: I'm doing a town hall meeting uh, there you go. at the Bass Center. So uh, No, I'm here uh, because uh, We need to get Idaho in the in the in the column of calling for a convention of states to limit the power and scope of the federal government and to um, to have term limits on federal office holders and um, and limit the uh, the spending of the federal government. That's uh, that's really the the emphasis emphasis behind what we're trying impetus behind what we're trying to do. And uh, if you think about Idaho, it's a state that I sort of scratched my head. Nineteen states, including Arizona and Texas, Florida, have passed this uh, this resolution, but Idaho has yet to do so. And uh, you, you think of conservative states; you think yeah. Idaho's be up there among them. Utah's passed it, um, but not, not for some reason, not the state of Idaho. So we're up here to, to convince the legislators to uh, to step in their rightful role of. The power that the founders gave them in the Constitution, in Article 5 of the Constitution— to have a convention to propose amendments to limit the power of the federal government. The, that's, what, that's why it was put in there. It's now time for them Article to use Article 5. The,
0: Article 5. Yeah, and so um, just so the folks know, uh, this is uh, this is a movement. You said 19 states have already signed on. It takes 34, Correct. I guess, to trigger the, the, the fifth. Um, two-thirds. Uh, Article 5, two-thirds. Uh, but you're, I mean, the people that are supporting this are well-known. Here in Idaho, as as conservative Republicans, uh, Mike Huckabee, Sean Hannity, uh, Jim DeMitt, Ben Carson, uh, Marco Rubio—I could go on and on, right? Ben Shapiro. So these are well-known people. They've done their homework, and they support this.
1: Yeah, these are serious people who yes. are serious conservatives, and you know, governors like Greg Abbott and, and Ron DeSantis uh, have are, are very strong supporters. So this is not something that that is. By any means, a uh, uh, you know, out of the ordinary type of thing. I understand conservatives when they hear of a new idea, the first reaction is no, yeah. right, because it's new. And and that, by the way, is a good knee jerker It was my reaction when I first heard this. I said, ah, this can't be a good idea. It's been it's been in the Constitution for two hundred and fifty years, and they haven't used it. Well, the reason we haven't used it is because. Well, we haven't been a national debt at a hundred percent of our GDP. This is the first time this has happened. We haven't seen authoritarian use of power like we've seen of presidents, frankly, of both parties. Uh, we haven't seen this 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 centralization of power in Washington D.C. And we've reached a point where uh, our liberty is at stake, and the and the economic stability of our country is at stake, and we need people to grab back control of of this runaway train that is washington dc we're
2: here uh, on red uh keep idaho red radio and we're with uh, mark meckler who is the president of citizens for self-governance and convention of uh, convention of states action and we're here with senator uh rick santorum so we're just grateful to have you so um senator you haven't? Have you always been interested in this convention of states issue, or are you a recent convert?
1: Tell us about. Yeah, that. Yeah, I'm. am a recent convert, and 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 I you know laid out some of the reasons why. I mean, I, I when this idea first uh, was presented to me. Uh, I was skeptical. Uh, as I said, this, this hadn't been used in, in almost 250 years. And, uh, why has it been used? You know, what could happen? I mean, I heard people saying, oh, you could have a runaway convention that you could have, um, all these terrible things can happen and, uh, Congress would control it. And, and, and I thought, wow, okay, well, you know, we don't need to mess with this. And, um, and so I just, you know, was not a state legislator i was running for president at the time and so i i wasn't really that concerned and uh things have happened over the past uh few years that have just got me concerned that it's no longer democrats doing all this stuff in washington and republicans fighting as hard as we can to to uphold the constitution and and not uh not uh, concentrate power in the executive that we you know now republicans are You know, applauding, uh, you know, like President Trump for using executive orders beyond his authority or using rulemaking that doesn't consistent with the legislation that 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 is underlined. Those are things we used to criticize the other side because it was unconstitutional. And now we're doing them. And that really was the thing that tipped me. I -hmm. said, if neither party in Washington is going to stand up for the Constitution, if they're both going to be for grabbing as much power as possible, then. Our republic is in peril, and that's why I decided to go. Didn't down. Biden do like a hundred executive orders within months? Well, just just the idea, yes, but just the idea of standing up and saying we're going to spend half a trillion dollars right before an election to buy off a group of voters, students, people student with student debt, loans, right. and nobody said, you know, well, Republicans scream, but what happened? Nothing. Right. And and now I know the courts are holding it up and you know claiming things, but this. This is the kind of stuff that that uh, well that that where dictatorships are made of. Well, um, we're here with Mark Meckler as well. So, Mark,
2: um, Senator Santorum just mentioned the runaway convention. So, what what would that look like, and what are the boundaries around that that it wouldn't actually happen?
3: Right. So, this is the most common objection we hear. We hear from folks on the right, a few folks on the right, and uh, you also hear it from the left. And basically what they're saying is that when the delegates gather in convention, they're actually called commissioners, when they gather in convention, they might ignore their instructions. The instructions, what every legislature is passing, says that they can only talk about three things, anything that would impose term limits, both on uh, Congress, but also on federal this officials. This is what the,
0: the resolution that is passed at the state that's identifies correct. with three, and the 19 states have agreed on these All three. All the same one. Okay. So that's
3: what's being considered here in Idaho now. So anything that would impose term limits on Congress and federal officials, so that staffers and bureaucrats. Democrats as well anything that would impose fiscal restraints on the federal government that's like a balanced budget amendment tax caps spending caps and then finally anything that would impose scope and jurisdictional restrictions on the federal government taking power away from them giving it back to the people in the states amendment right 10th <laughs> amendment actually you know there's a we think that the 10th amendment states need to get standing granted at yeah. this convention mostly states can't exercise their 10th amendment rights anymore because of what the federal courts have done. So yeah, that's something that could be fixed. So all of those things are on the table and then some people say, well, when when the commissioners actually go to convention, Idaho's going to send a delegation and they get there they might just do whatever they want. They might ignore what their state said. They might ignore what 34 other states said who were required to call the convention. And they might just decide, for example, to deal with the Second Amendment and to take that away from us. It's actually a specious and ridiculous argument. And here's why. Because, first of all, they're bound by what their state sent them to do. 34 states agree in advance what the rules of convention are, essentially what the rails are. Each state will send every commissioner with what's called a commission that says what the bounds of their personal authority is at the convention. That's all they have and no more. Every state retains the ability to withdraw their commissioners. So they can
0: recall them if they're not following the oath that they took.
3: Exactly. And then so ultimately anything they did outside of what the state set would be outside the bounds of their authority and it would actually be legally null and void. And then in the end, even if we say all of those protections somehow failed, which is ridiculous, but let's say they do, it takes 38 states to ratify anything that comes out of the convention. This is very important. The convention has no power. So
0: there's a, a one more step. So let, let's do this real quick, Mark and, and, and Senator. Uh, let's talk about just the mechanics of this, right? We we've talked about what happens when they get there, but the mechanics of this, Idaho decides to be the 20th state. Um So just talk about how we get to even to the convention, and then you talked a bit about what happens there, but how do you pick these people that are going to go represent your state? You know, who are they? Uh, Who gets to pick them?
3: I mean, so the basic mechanics work like this. Every state that considers it has to pass the same resolution through both houses of their legislature, generally by a simple majority. Those resolutions then get filed with Congress once there are 34 Congress has a ministerial act after performance as they shall call the convention. So they name the time and place. And then every state, and this is one of the things I love about it, in true federalist fashion, will pick their commissioners however they desire. It's up to the state legislature. They can send one. They can send 100 One vote per state. That's very important. So whether they send one or a 100, they're going to get one vote. California gets one vote. Idaho gets one vote. Maine gets one vote. So that's an equal thing because this is a convention of states, not a convention of delegates. They get there. They'll elect their own officers for the convention much like a legislature would do the convention will convene they'll start to debate various amendments in these three
0: subject matters. Is there a time specific that they've got to get their work done no it's okay. up to
3: the convention how long they want to meet you know i have an opinion on that i think they'll meet somewhere between 90 and 120 days i say that because that's the average length of time of the average legislature in america mostly these are going to be legislators at convention and then when you get a simple majority that agrees on a particular amendment proposal, then that proposal or a group of proposals can be sent out to the states for ratification, and it takes three-quarters of states or 38 states to ratify something before it becomes part of the Constitution.
0: So it takes 36 states, 34 to, 34 34 get to states convention. To, to, to start the process, but once their work is done, you still have a, a huge... Uh, lift, and that's 38 states that agree. Yeah, what
3: I would this. call a super, super majority, the yeah. highest bar in the system of U.S. governance. Right. I
1: would say the chances of a runaway convention are infinitesimal compared to a convention that produces no amendments to the Constitution because yeah. – there aren't that many ideas out there that are going to get 38 state legislatures to 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 affirm it I, and that's the way it should be it, no. These have to be things that are broad consensus issues that the American public will support
0: All right folks we're going to take a break and uh, when we come back um, I, w- I want to talk uh, specifically about some of the objections and do a little bit deeper dive. In, into some of the objections, give you an answer, uh, an opportunity to answer that. And then if we have uh, a few more minutes, I want to talk just about what you see around the country in with uh, the, the Republican Party in, in general and, and how we can strengthen it. So, folks, we'll be right back on Keep Idaho Red Radio.
2: Welcome back to Keep Idaho Red Radio. I'm Victor Miller. I'm with Tom Luna, my co-host. And uh, we are speaking about the Convention of States. With two incredible experts on it, Mark Meckler and Senator Rick Santorum. So, do you mind let's let's talk about those three major issues. So let's start with term limits, and what specifically would you like to see done? Relative to term limits? Yeah, I think this is a
3: really important one because about 85% of the American public, consistent for three decades, have wanted term limits imposed on Congress. And I'm a little bit, to be honest with you, I'm a little bit hesitant on term limits for Congress alone. In fact, I don't agree on just term limits for Congress. Our application actually reads, Term limits for members of Congress and federal officials. And there's a reason for that, because it would allow us also to impose term limits on what we now know as the deep state, the staffers and the bureaucrats that are actually running things. And so that's the way that application is structured. I think that's a really important difference between some other groups that just want term limits on Congress.
2: And then the second one you brought up was fiscal restraint, basically balanced budgets, things like that. What would you like to specifically see relative to that? You want balanced budgets for from now on forever? or well, yeah, look, at deficits.
3: I think this is really important in terms of human nature. And so if human beings have an infinite pot of money to spend or they believe they do, they're going to do that. Human beings don't like to be forced to make very difficult decisions. And so how to balance the budget, that's a very difficult decision. So the way we're going to force people in Washington, D.C. to balance the budget is... We're going to put in a constitutional amendment that says that. Important, though, on the balanced budget, if you just do that alone and you don't put in any power restraints on the federal government, they could just tax us to death. Or they could impose unfunded mandates on the states, right, and just say, you're going to do this program, you're going to raise the taxes for it, we're going to tell you how to do it.
0: Yeah, there's two ways to balance the budget, right? You can raise revenue or you can cut.
3: Yeah, or... Or you can drive it to the states, drive all the programs to the yeah. states and make them spend all this money. So what we want to do is make sure that we, if we impose a balanced budget amendment, we also have power restrictions saying no unfunded mandates. You can't just raise taxes. You need tax caps and spending caps.
0: Uh, Senator, you, you, you served uh, two terms in the Senate, a couple terms in Congress. Um, when you look at what's happened to entitlements, even since you've left office, right, how do you... How do you balance a budget if they're not willing to look at entitlements?
1: You can't. I mean, the entitlements in America today are uh, closing in on 70% of the budget. So um, it, you simply can't. They And they're continuing to grow. Um, I, the, the hard thing is when it comes to entitlement, this is something I learned when I was in uh, was in Congress, which is you can't. Take once an entitlements granted, it's almost impossible to get rid of it, and that's why you have to be very careful about adding these entitlement programs. The one we were able to get rid of that I was the author of in in the Senate was welfare welfare reform. But even there, um, you know, we got rid of an entitlement and we turned it into a block grant program, uh, and it was very very successful. But initially, we didn't cut any funds uh, because we knew that this would have to be done gradually over time, and so what we did. Is we we put all this money in, and then then we just didn't increase it. We just fixed it for it's now almost thirty years, yeah. and uh, and it, it worked. Uh, but it's it's a long process to get this behemoth under control. The problem is is you know entitlements are very very popular. Yeah. Social Security is a popular program. Medicare is a popular program. Medicaid not so much. But it's it's a it's a real challenge, and they won't do it. Unless they have to.
0: What, what did Axel Rose say? You can have anything you want as long as you don't take it from me. That's kind of the <laughs> attitude, right? Exactly. Yep. That, that political philosopher, right? Axel Rose. Yeah. I, uh, I wanted to circle back to term limits and just make it clear. When we're talking about term limits, um, uh, th- this is at the federal level. It, yes. it, it's not state legislatures. No. That's still a decision that That's would be purview made. That's the of the yeah. state legislature.
1: Yeah. yeah. And And as Mark mentioned, the real key is, Uh, You're someone who worked the administration. How easy is it to get folks who are permanent civil service folks who are buried into the bureaucracy to, number one, work, and number two, do what the president and the the leadership wants to do? I'm
0: glad you brought that up. When I worked back there for a couple of years as an appointee, uh, it it became clear to me that there was a, a group of people there, staff and support. They basically treated us like summer help. They knew we were going to be here yep. four years, maybe eight, and then we're going to be gone. And so, and that's uh, why we
1: need to put yeah. limits on their uh, their holding of that particular job for whatever. In many cases, 30, 40, 50, whatever years. This is why this is the deep state bureaucracy that uh, that that really runs Washington D.C. and in many cases runs the government across the country. So, it that I. I'm somewhat ambivalent about term limits for House and Senate members, but I am passionate about putting term limits on the deep state.
0: Yeah. Folks, we're here on Keep Idaho Red Radio. We're with Senator uh, Rick Santorum and Mark uh, Meckler, and uh, we're talking about Constitution or or Convention of the States. The third point that you want to focus on is judicial restraint. So let's talk. Obviously, we've seen examples of Non-restraint, but let's talk uh, about what that would drill down a bit as to what that would look like. What kind of sideboards would be created, and what the what the result of, uh, of passing that amendment would well, be?
1: Well, the, yeah, the th- the third the the third area is a restraint on the federal government's jurisdiction and power, and so you know one of those could be uh, and uh, the issue of judicial restraint. Uh, there is uh, actually carving out powers that the federal government has assumed to itself that are not in its enumerated powers and putting those back education is one of them education is not allowed uh it is a state and local function but the federal government has certainly taken over in many respects so judicial restates another one i mean some people have said you know marbury versus madison uh you know where where does the where does the where do the court come in and and sort of uh, exalting itself uh, above the other branches of government you know that's a tough question as to how you'd have a constitutional amendment that would deal with that but those are the kinds of discussions that we would have and the american public would be able to hear those discussions and weigh in and uh and you know see where it goes mark what was the first state that signed on and when was that and what's the
2: latest state that signed on
3: so the very first state was Georgia. I love those guys. Really proud of them. Uh, Alaska was not far behind in Florida. They were the very early adopters. And what years was that? Or? Uh, that goes back to 2013. 2013. And so those were my early adopter states. And then the last state, gosh, what was our last state last year, Rick? West I, Virginia. West Virginia was last. So we oh,
1: wait. Take it back. No, South Carolina was last. Okay. So we had four states last year. Yeah, they were right close to each other, but South right. Carolina was the last
2: one. So do you see any other larger issues like this that if – you do if you if if this was already done and right. you'd already had your convention of states and you're starting another you know starting it up again saying here's the next three problems that we've got do you see any of those that are particularly that it have caught your eye, or you think that you know, in ten years
1: since you've been doing this, I have I now ma- come to I the forefront. I would make the argument. I, I, I would have a convention of states, unless we learn something from the first one. and We obviously very well may, uh, but I think having a convention of states that does this again, uh, any any, I don't see any reason to uh, to go into other areas. I think these three areas, and maybe we get term limits, and so you don't have to do that, but. Uh, to me the most important issue is the fiscal and and the and the amount of power that the federal government has accumulated to itself that needs to be something that we need to revisit because in between the first convention and the next one, the federal government will again try to grab more yeah, power, yeah. and so you just have to be able to react to that. I, you know, I've said this and I've been criticized for saying it by some of the folks on the far far right. You know, oh, Santorum wants to have a convention of states every ten years. Well, if that's necessary, heck yes. Yeah. I mean, if we're losing the country, if you know, we're now at two hundred percent of GDP, we better you know, uh, <laughs> a, a debt. We better start. We better come back and do it again.
0: Yeah, Senator. Um Uh, I I just want to remind folks that this power, this opportunity is in the constitution that was written (laughs) by the founding fathers, right? They saw a a need to give States the ability to do this.
1: They thought the States were at the top of the food chain. Remember States used to appoint United States senators, the state legislatures did. And, and so they had the power to control Washington through the United States Senate. That power was stripped away from the States. It's the reason that in, uh, 1913, Washington was a power was a town with no power, no money uh, and no uh, and no influence. And after the Senate became uh, uh, elected by the people, it exploded and continues to explode. And so this is really just a remedy, a structural change that the people through their state legislatures made to let out open Pandora's box. This is an opportunity for the legislature, okay, you guys made a mistake, my opinion, made a mistake when doing so. You're never gonna change that. You're not gonna, you know, take yeah. back popular election of senators. Now we have to put other controls in place because the control that was put in place to keep Washington small, to stop the power grab, has been was removed a hundred years ago and it's time to time to do something about it.
0: Senator, I want to to just take one more minute. Um, This seems like an opportunity to rally and unite a party that is struggling to unite. These three issues that are identified here are founding core principles. principles. We just saw at the RNC, you know, know, uh, some contention in electing leadership. Uh, um, I'm a former party chair here in Idaho. I see this need to unite. As you travel around the country, as you work with these states that have adopted this recently, you know, talk about what you see and how you. Um, well, do you see this as a unifying opportunity?
1: Yeah, in most states, ninety plus percent of the Republicans support us. There, there are always a few, mostly um, uh, yeah, on the sort of the fringe folks who, uh, who simply don't trust anybody to do anything and 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 would rather. Uh, uh, Would rather do nothing uh, in the face of the danger that confronts us than step out there and take any risk. And uh, as I say to every one of them, I sure am glad you weren't here in 1776 because we'd, be, <laughs> we'd be still in, we'd be singing "God Save the King."
0: Yeah, there
1: you go. Uh, and and you know, people need to stand up and fight when when your is at stake. It is clearly at stake here, and. The, luckily, the vast majority of Republicans and conservatives are on board.
0: Well, thanks for being here. And what an honor, uh, folks. We've had an opportunity to uh, visit with Senator Rick Santorum and uh, Mark Meckler and talk about this important issue. Uh, we'll invite you back and get updates, especially as we make progress here in Idaho and as we see this move ar- uh, around, the, around the country. So thank you for being on nice Keep Idaho Red Radio. Thank hey, you.
3: God bless you guys. And thanks for keeping Idaho red.
0: You uh, Folks, we'll be back.